This is People Every Day. Coming up, I catch up with my friend, the Emmy Award-winning Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. Plus, the shocking death of Dustin Diamond, best known as Screech. And we dig into actress Evan Rachel Wood's abuse allegations against Marilyn Manson. It's February 1st. Welcome to the first ever episode of People Every Day, presented by Macy's. I'm your host, Janine Rubenstein. I am an editor-at-large at People and have spent the past decade covering every corner of the entertainment industry, as well as breaking news, crime, and human interest stories. And now I'm here to tell you all about it uh, from home for the time being, so you'll have to forgive me if you hear something like this. Every now and then. That's my son, Reese, and my new baby girl, Ramey. Anyhow, on this show, we're going to break down the biggest entertainment news stories of the day. And, of course, like today with Yaya, we'll bring you the one-of-a-kind interviews that made you fall in love with people in the first place. And without further ado, it is Monday, and here with me now to kick it all off is my friend and colleague, TV editor, Brianne Heldman. Happy Monday, Brianne. How's your snowstorm going? Oh, you know, it's a, it sure is a Monday. Happy first day. Congratulations. I could not be more excited for you, Janine. Thank you. Thank you. I'm super excited. I mean, on the bright side, it's the first day of Black History Month, so I'm really excited about that. Um, but to be honest, the news is pretty dark today. Mm-hmm. Brian, you know this. We had a whole different show planned. We wanted to bring like light, fun entertainment stories. And then shortly before finishing the episode, Literally, like, moments ago, we got the news that Dustin Diamond, or Screech, from Saved by the Bell, as we all know him, has died of carcinoma at the age of 44. He was just diagnosed, right? Three weeks ago, he was diagnosed. They said, you know, this was not what they were hoping was going to happen. As we got updates over the last few weeks, things were not seeming like they were great, but nobody expected this to happen this quickly. It really, I mean, I'm still processing. It's a lot. I mean, the whole newsroom is still processing. Like, you know, this is one of those days, you guys, where we just dig in and we are making calls and, and getting to the bottom of what's going on. Um, so so tell us a little bit about, like, how he got to this point. Because three weeks ago, we heard the news that he had been diagnosed. Uh, did we know how bad it was at the time? No, not right away. We just knew that he had been diagnosed and was undergoing his first round of chemo. A few days later, we found out that it was stage four small cell carcinoma, also known as lung cancer. Um, And it sounds like it had been cancer somewhere else in his body and had metastasized into his lungs. And that's when things started getting a little dark. But again, like there have been posts on his Facebook page with a lot of hope in them and nobody really saw this coming. His rep did confirm to people that he passed away today, Monday, February 1st after a brutal and relentless form of malignant cancer, again, diagnosed only three weeks ago. Wow. Unbelievable. And so, okay, Screech, like this is this is one of the ones that's going to hit home. We grew up with Saved by the Bell, you know, millennials and, and you know, even Gen X, like the Saved by the Bell was like a huge staple. Um, but he had his ups and downs, right? You you thought of him as that character, you know, the, the beloved nerd <laughs> who was like <laughs> part of the crew. He had that that unforgettable curly hair and, you know, he would just come in and, and have that whole shtick and he had it for a while. But his his life took some turns, right? 
Absolutely. He, he was arrested a number of times. He put out a big tell-all book that uh, many of the other cast members refute. And I, I, I believe that they don't speak to him. He was not involved with the reboot that launched uh, last year. Oh, yeah, um, they brought it. They, that was a big deal. Like yes. Bringing Saved by the Bell back. It's almost like a, you know, for some people, that's like the Friends reboot almost. Like, oh, my goodness, my favorite <laughs> show is coming back. And, yeah, there was drama around that, I remember, um, because mm-hmm. of the tensions within the cast still with him, right? Yes, absolutely. And I have to say that, you know, every, one of the big things everyone is talking about as we're all diving in is Dustin's rep wrote a really beautiful, real statement, yeah. unlike most we tend to see. And they outright said, quote, we've been working alongside Dustin over the last 21 years. It goes without saying that a relationship cannot be categorized exclusively as business. And they go on and say, we are aware that Dustin was not considered reputable by most. He had a history of mishaps, of unfortunate mm. events. We want the public to understand that he was not intentionally malevolent. He, much like the rest of those who act out and behave poorly, had undergone a great deal of turmoil and heartache. His actions, the rebukable, stemmed from loss and the lack of knowledge of how to process that pain properly. Wow. Wow. See, that's that's real. Like, you know, what that's I mean? real because there, there there were there were major issues with, you know, a lot of his post Saved by the Bell activities and, and, you know, just to come out and call a spade a spade, that, that's just for all the reps out there. That's, that's how you do it. You know what I mean? A tragic story. Nonetheless, Brian, thank you so much for being on with me. And of course, we're sending out all of our love and, and prayers to his family. I'm back now with deputy editor Wendy Noggle, who is just a a, a source of, of of information for the magazine. She is in charge of a lot of our big projects, um, projects like Women Changing the World, where we we pull upon celebrities and stars to talk about the things that are moving them most. And she's here with me now to dig into this really horrifying news that Evan Rachel Wood, an actress that we've known for her roles in 13 and and Westworld more recently, um, has brought really horrible allegations against Marilyn Manson, her ex. Wendy, this is something that we could almost see coming, right? Because Evan has spoken out in years past about platforms around domestic violence and issues like that. So take us a little bit into why this is a shock, but not really for her. That's right. You know, Evan is such an amazing actress, a three-time Emmy nominee, a three-time Golden Globe nominee. And she has been using her platform for quite some time to be talking about domestic violence. And really... We saw that several years ago, back in 2018, she was even testifying in front of Congress, detailing what her experience with domestic violence had been like. At that time, she described it as toxic, both physical and sexual and mental. She alleged brainwashing and waking up to, you know, someone raping her. So it was pretty stark, pretty stark allegations, but she never went on the record to who the abuser was. Got it. Got it. And so this is, this is essentially putting that name, that very well-known name to 
just the abuse that she's been detailing for years now. That's right. She, you know, in her Instagram post, she said the name of my abuser is Brian Warner, also known to the world as Marilyn Manson. She is being very clear about it. And she really wants to, you know, as she said, expose this dangerous man and call out the many industries that have enabled him before he ruins more lives. These are obviously very serious allegations. And in the past, Woods uh, representatives have really denied categorically any of these claims. Um, But the fact that they're surfacing again means that they are going to get another look. Wow. And and just to dig into their relationship a little bit, she was around 20 years old when they went public in 2007. And he's about, you know, 20 years older than she is. And, And they had this relationship where she was kind of a muse of sorts. You would see her pop up in some of his music videos. And then I took a a Twitter deep dive this morning after I saw her post. And you see people now, it's kind of like that same Me Too situation that happened with Weinstein almost, where you see people saying like, oh, this was really not okay. And I guess because it was 2007, people just let it ride. But videos that, uh, you know, show him abusing women, bludgeoning women. And he said he wanted to physically harm her on the record years ago and flags didn't go up. Do you think this is going to be different? I really hope that this might be different just because I think it's so important that people listen to domestic violence survivors. You know, one of the things that Evan worked so hard on is, you know, really getting the Phoenix Act passed. What is that? What's the the Phoenix Phoenix Act? Act is something that she really pushed for. Years ago, she told us that she worked to put together a lot of evidence against her abuser. She felt like she really had a case. She took it to a lawyer and he said, there's nothing that we can do here. The statute of limitations has passed. And so she just felt that that was wrong. You know, one of the facts about domestic violence is that one of the most dangerous times for a woman is when she leaves an abusive relationship. And that's a time when she's you know, there could be extreme violence against her, a yeah. higher rate of death um, because the abuser will come back and attack the woman at that time. So what she really fought for was the Phoenix Act, which extended the statute of limitations from three years to five years to allow women to get back on their feet and feel strong enough that they could come forward and name their abuser. For sure. And and you see like so many people on social media right now just coming to her corner and and defending her. And and one of the, the tweets that really stood out to me was this guy saying like, you know, don't send me anything about how they were in love or how, or how she talked about how much she loved him. Like, you know, I'm sure, <laughs> you know, there are a number of women who were brainwashed and, and loved their abuser and, and didn't know how to get out of it. And you just see an outpouring of support for her right now, which is is really great. Has there been any any response or anything from, from the Manson camp right now? Well, I would expect that the Manson camp will continue to say what they said before, which mm-hmm. is that these are that these are false. You know, when Manson did, you know, express in the media some fantasies that he had that were particularly violent, a representative at that time said that this was a theatrical rock star who was mm-hmm. promoting a record. This mm-hmm. is not a factual account. Um, but, you know, along with Evan Rachel Wood, there were other women who came forward. Um, We don't yet know the statute of limitations on those cases, um, but I think it will be a conversation. And, you know, Evan really came forward with the I'm not okay hashtag. And also in our interview with her for Women Changing the World, she talked about how 
yes, it's critical to change this legislation, but it's also critical to have this conversation. Absolutely. Wendy, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you. And coming up, I catch up with an old friend, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, you know, Emmy Award winning, and he takes me through his meteoric rise. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. The name Yahya Abdul-Mateen II is on the tongues of everyone in Hollywood these days, not to mention hundreds of thousands of swooning fans. Last year, the 34-year-old won an Emmy Award for his bold and I mean bold performance as Cal Abar slash, spoiler alert, Dr. Manhattan in HBO's acclaimed action series, Watchmen. More recently, you may have seen him passionately portraying Black Panther Party co-founder Bobby Seale in The Trial of the Chicago 7. Next up, it's Blue Pill or Red Pill, as he takes the lead role in the highly anticipated film Matrix 4. Oh, and did I forget to mention he was one of our sexiest men alive last year? Joining me now to talk about his unique road to Hollywood— those famous Watchmen nude scenes, and navigating fame. Here is Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. Yah, how is it going? What up, girl? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Okay, full disclosure before we really get into it. Uh, Yahya and I were actually friends in college at UC Berkeley back in the early 2000s, long ago, um, <laughs> before he was an award-winning thespian. But uh, we all could see his amazing potential back then. Yahya, did you... You know, back in the Cal days when you're studying long nights and, and stepping and step shows and all of that good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you ever picture yourself being an Emmy Award winning actor? You know, in the back of my mind, I did. You know, I was at school studying architecture and thinking that I was going to go and design Olympic renovations and do, do those things. Uh, but somewhere in the back of my mind, I think. You know, I always did gravitate toward the light and wherever that was, I was try I was in close proximity or I was trying to be dead center. So I think I was brought up in a way that uh, kind of allowed me to uh, allow me to find the light and allowed me to be comfortable in the light. And so I, I think eventually I knew in the back of my mind that if I ever had the opportunity that I would I would step into that comfortably. I think I've been trying to step into that for for a long time before I even knew what I was actually going after. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. You could feel it. And and humble brag, yes. Architecture, architecture major, architecture major from UC Berkeley. So tell me about that fork in the road for you, that career versus following your passion. I got laid off. I got laid off from my job in 2010. I was working in San Francisco and um, I was at a place where I said, you know what? I just don't want to have any regrets. And, I, you know, I took a couple acting classes at Berkeley and um I loved it. I, it was just so freeing and expressive. And I, I got to be on the stage for the first time. So when I was working in San Francisco, I was actually, nobody really knew. 
I was going up the street and taking acting classes at the American Conservatory Theater on Wednesday nights. So I clock out of work on Wednesdays, go up the street and take my little acting classes. So once I got laid off, I said, you know what? I'm going to just give myself three years to make significant progress. Had no idea what significant progress meant, you know, to make significant progress with this acting stuff. Oh, it was significant. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. 14 (laughs) months later, I got into Yale and uh, NYU and Harvard and ACT. Uh, went to Yale and just, you know, I'm I'm still on that. I'm still on that ride, you know, if I'm, if I'm being perfectly honest. What a ride. It, it it hasn't been long, but your credits are insane. Starring in Baz Luhrmann's The Get Down, straight out of grad school. Then there was Baywatch, The Greatest Showman, Black Mirror, Aquaman. The list goes on. Uh, what would you say has been the wildest audition? I would say The Get Down is just right up there with that, you know, not to just double back on, on things, but, you know, you get away from projects like that, and you realize, sometimes you realize how special they were. You know, that that was a whole, uh, just a whole different experience. We went through disco boot camp, and I'm learning stuff about DJing and, you know, uh, the different types of physicality. I get to play with a character like Cadillac, and I'm dancing eight hours a day, learning, learning to hustle. If you haven't seen it, <laughs> you have to see Yaya's character. I'm talking about 70s, yeah. just flair, the hips. The hips don't lie. Out of everything that I lie. did, that's the one character that I miss. I consistently miss miss Cadillac, and I and I, I'm not a, I'm not a, a you know a cat who has real attachments to my work or my characters. I do it, and then I go back, and a lot of times people remind me that I did it. I never forget Cadillac. I never forget. I never forget who that dude was. I, I love that character. Awesome, awesome. Okay, l- let's let's talk Watchmen. Because I, I have to admit, I only watched up to a certain point. Okay. <laughs> and for a reason, right. I was tipped off about your nudes. Uh, uh, and and uh, because I know and love you uh, as a friend, uh, I decided to sit them out. All right. All um, right. But, I, but I kept up. I kept up with what happened, of course. All right. <laughs> I, I know you're super close to your family and they are beautiful and it, they are big and many. So, so how did those scenes go over back on the home front, back in Oakland? Is, you know, I had I had the uh, so we were at the premiere and uh, my mama was sitting right next to me and there was a sex scene, with, with, you know, me and Regina in the closet in the, in, 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 in uh, episode one. And uh, I never I never tipped nobody off about it. I just sat there right next to my mama. And you know what? Surprisingly, she didn't react like wow. she, I, she did not react. Now, I don't know if she reacted on the inside or what she was trying to hold, but. <laughs> I got zero feedback from my family, but I think I did tell them, I think I did give them a heads up about the, like, the straight up naked, 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 <laughs> naked. I had to say it like three times just so they understand what I mean. Uh, but they was cool with it, I think, you know. I, either, either they was cool or we just do this avoidance thing where we just don't talk, talk about, about it. it at all, you know what I mean? Look, as long as you got my tickets to the premieres. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, as long as wow. I got to introduce them to Regina King and, you know, James Martin, they got to take their pictures and everything like that. They was cool. I love it. Uh, but on a serious note, the show highlighted the story of Tulsa, Oklahoma, or Black Wall Street, and, and the massacre of Black people that took place there. And in your recent role as Black Panther, Bobby Seale highlights the struggle for racial inequality as well. Um, how important is it to you personally to take on these types of roles? Because I know everything's coming at you, all yeah, types of roles, but yeah. w- what is it about these? It's become more important um, um, in recent years. I, you, you know, I got to be honest. I know that when I was first coming out of school, I just wanted to, you know, the word on my on my, on my my tongue daily was appetite and uh, freedom. You know, and I look at a lot of white actors 
And they don't, uh, I don't see, I don't see uh, white actors or non-black actors. No, I, I say white specifically actors walking around, really carrying a responsibility to tell stories about history and to represent other people and things like that. And so I was like, you know what? I want to be able, I want to, I want to have the freedom to do whatever it is that I want to do. So I want to be able to go and play Bobby Seale and then go play Black Manta and then go do Dr. Manhattan and then go do something like uh, like like The Greatest Showman or Baywatch. I want the I want the freedom to be able to to do whatever it is that I want to do with my career. Um, and then something happened with Watchmen and I started to feel like the importance of that project and, the, and I get the feedback and I get to interact with the fans. And and then we, you know, not not just the 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 subject matter, but also the, the, the on the themes of representation. And then I begin to learn how my work resonates in the world and how the projects that I was on begin to resonate in the world. And that does feel good, you know, because although I signed up for this and a lot of what I do like about the attention and about the about the uh, about the energy from this is, is that I get to make people smile. You know what I mean? But then when you see that that the work that you're doing is meaningful in other ways, then I think the appetite does grow for projects like uh, the trial of the Chicago Seven projects like Watchmen, projects like The Matrix, who you know who do a little bit of both and who aim to you know do all of the um, you know the spectacular, heightened you know type of cinematography and storytelling, but that's also rooted in real things and asking real you know deep, honest questions about society. So uh, that's a that's a long long winded way to say that I'm very very excited about bringing more stories uh, like that. Um, to the forefront and, and, and acting in it, producing, writing, and things like that as well. Yeah, you, you mentioned producing and writing. You're going behind the camera soon, uh, starting your own production company. Tell me about how's that going? Yeah, it's great. You know, I think one of the things that I've been able to do with you know um, after after you know reaching a certain a certain place, being being blessed to be uh, to be able to get work. Uh, steadily with my acting is is now I'm saying okay well now what do I want to do you know what's what do I have to say and what do I have to contribute and one of the things that I really want to do is um, you know look at places like the places where I come from New Orleans West Oakland and to be to you know to be able to tell stories about about those people about those heroes you know who live larger than life and who have these epic stories and experiences and who live at a, such a large scale but we don't we haven't seen those stories. Um, if not ever, we haven't seen those stories in a very, very long time. So what I want to do is I want to uh, I want to tell all types of stories and genres and adventures, but I also want to be a part of uh, ushering in, you know, those uh, films and, and, and television shows and cinematic experiences that go back to, you know, uh, some of the things that John Singleton was doing and uh, getting getting back, you know, to the places like home, the places that feel like home, but also bringing quality writing quality directing, quality actors. You know, I want the best actors to be in these projects, the best writers to be a part of this. And I also want to uh, employ people from those people from those areas to act, to write, you know, to be uh, uh, grips and to, you know, to, to, to be able to be introduced to the industry in the way that I have. Because I wish that I would have found this when I was in high school. I wish that I would have known that this was a re- that this was a reality. So this is my way of staying connected. I'm so excited. Yeah, Anyone, yeah. I just want you to know, I've seen Yaya as a stepmaster. <laughs> he is going to be an amazing boss. And, yeah. and these productions, these films are going to be clean and precise. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. There we go. There we go. So awesome. Oh, okay, so I, I need some advice, I guess. Um, oh, you, you are stepping behind the camera a little bit. I mean, you're, of course, going to still be taking on these amazing roles. But this production is, is taking you behind the camera. 
I've been writing, editing for years now, but with this podcast, I kind of feel like I'm, you know, stepping in front, stepping out there. So like, do you have any advice for an old friend on how to navigate the, the hey, I, I know you side of things? Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. I would say have fun. You know what I mean? Have fun and surround yourself with people who have the same. And then look, this is something that I'm still, I'm still learning and trying to do. I have the exercises. I would say have fun. Surround yourself with people who see the same version of you that you see. Nice. You know what I mean? I think when you're talented, like you are, like like we are, we have all the types of, we have so many opportunities to say yes to people. We have to be careful who we say yes to and who we invite in to curate and to take care of our talent. You know what I mean? So that's what I would say. I mean, you know yourself, trust your voice, trust your vision, read your resume when you doubt yourself, and then uh, keep people around you that see the same versions of you and also that, that see the best versions of you that that also aligns aligns with your vision. And I think when when, when we do that, uh, we can't lose. Nice, nice. And, and, and safeguard your DMs. Would that be something? Safeguard <laughs> your DMs. Well, you look, I know you. I know your family. So you good. I know you ain't got to worry about what's going on in DMs. Me, I was peeking in that thing this morning. I ain't going to lie. See, see. <laughs> I can't imagine. See, I cannot up. imagine. See, what's up? No, it's, it's quiet in there. Ain't nobody checking for me. <laughs> lies. Yeah. All lies. Yeah. <laughs> that was Yaya Abdul-Mateen II. For more on him, head over to people.com. Or, you know, his DMs. (laughs) Everyone, thank you so much for listening to the first ever episode of People Every Day. And before we go, here's a little something to make you smile. Listen to this. That's Juan Lucero of Chicago and his seven kids who make up the family mariachi band Cielito Lindo, or Beautiful Heaven. Uh, Recently, their neighbor, Bob Foster, heard that they'd fallen on hard times and were facing eviction due to COVID and, and not being able to perform. But like a good neighbor, Foster was there, and he told CBS Sunday Morning that he spread the word throughout their community and raised $60,000 to help them out. So happy for them, and and I hope that was music to your ears. (laughs) Badumpo. Talk to you tomorrow.